The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit Midweek Podcast. It's First Bite. Welcome back. We have another special episode, another special guest. But before we get into all that, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of Pride of Detroit and the co-host of First Bite. With me, as always, is Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore P-O-D on Twitter. Ryan, how are we doing today? Uh, I have to say that this is a special appearance uh, courtesy of the Holly Area Schools District for canceling school today due to a snow day. So you're welcome. <laughs> Yes, we, we appreciate uh, that gesture from them. Uh, a well-earned break for, for Ryan and the teachers over there. Um, today, we are going to talk more Matthew Stafford trade, and we've talked about it a whole bunch. You've heard our voice a ton of time, but let's get an outsider perspective. In fact, let's get a, an insider's perspective from Los Angeles's view. So we have a very special guest on the Rams beat. Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic is with us at Jordan Rodriguez. That's J-O-U-R-D-A-N Rodriguez on Twitter. Jordan, thank you for joining us today. Guys, thank you so much for having me. Um, I don't want to rub in what the temperature is here, but... Um, <laughs> Not a snow day. Fair, what is fair snow? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We, we had a guest, Amy, uh, just on our podcast just the other day, and she's down there in... Uh, <laughs> In, in in very nice weather as well, and she was rubbing it in as well. So you know what, part part for the course at this point. We um, have to do it. We have to do it. It's fine. It's fine. I, you know, I spent nine years in LA myself, and so I I know I know what you're dealing with, and I think about it a lot, especially <laughs> days like this. Yeah, she she's probably having so much trouble dealing with it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know someone has to take this burden on you guys i i'll be the one <laughs> speaking of burdens let's talk about jared goff's contract huh <laughs> uh, i love wonder. that segue oh what? my gosh <laughs> but actually before we get into that let's let's just talk about overall thoughts on the trade because it went down kind of in a hurry on a saturday night um what were your first reactions jordan when when you heard it went down yeah uh chris burke and i at the athletic detroit we had a blast kind of talking about what we were doing when this happened mm -hmm. um, to, to back it up a little bit on Friday night, I had gotten uh, tipped off by a source that there were multiple trade or uh, multiple exploratory talks between the Rams and other teams, not just about their quarterback, but about Jared Goff um, because it had gotten to that point where it was rock solid, you know, multiple teams were, were having conversations with the Rams about this. I was like, 
oh my gosh, this thing could happen like really quickly. And then we knew that Matthew Stafford was extremely motivated to move. Um, and so I was like, okay, thinking maybe Sunday night news dump, you know, hit the cycle in the mo- on Monday morning mm-hmm. and everything. So I'm brushing my teeth uh, on Saturday night and all of a sudden my watch goes off, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I look at it and I'm like, is uh, – that second first round pick a typo. <laughs> and, and so I, I double check with the source and, and yeah, there it was. And so, um, what a, what a crazy night, crazy sequence of, of events and came together super fast because a couple of people in particular were so motivated to get that done as soon as possible. Those being Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay, ironically, um, in the same area, in the same, uh, staying at the same hotel in Cabo. Yeah. So, what you know, a, what just, a coincidence. stuff hmm. just works out sometimes if, uh, if you're in the, the the 1% of the NFL, I guess. So it just yeah, is, right. it is what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it right there, Jordan, but, um, the, the thought and the belief, it seems to be amongst everybody is that the Rams overpaid to get a quarterback who is closer to the twilight of his career than, than being in the prime of it. Um, especially when those draft picks are, are going to be, you know, coughed up and, and given to the lions. What is just kind of your general, you know, consensus, your, your understanding of the reaction from fans and, and things, things like that. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting mix. So my, my personal perspective is that this is probably what you needed to do considering the contract. Um, you know, they, they, that extra first round pick, not only is it uh, a sweetener for that contract, but it also helps, um, that movement happened so quickly. And, and at the 11th hour, I know that there's been a lot of great reporting out there of um, who they sort of leapfrogged in line to, to make this happen. And having that, um, be a part of the package. I think you can consider that third round pick a net neutral because that, you know, the Rams were going to have an extra third round pick um, because Brad Holmes is now the GM in in Detroit. Right. Love that guy, by the way, you guys are going to love him. He's awesome. Um, and, and so to me, it felt like, yeah, you know, the Rams had made it very clear that they were ready to either move on from Jared Goff or he could potentially have been benched in Los Angeles for a undrafted free agent backup quarterback. And it's not because of skill, which I know we'll dive into here um, later in the podcast. It it was just because it was just time for him to um, be in a different system and for um, Sean McVay to have a different quarterback, particularly one who could work out of structure and freestyle at the end of plays a little bit, extend drives, things like that. And, and so because they were so motivated, not just to convince another team, Hey, you're getting basically a fresh bankroll contract. We haven't, you know, messed with it a lot. By the time other quarterbacks in this cycle get signed, you know, you're going to, it's going to be maybe, you know, top 15 quarterback money. That's what we think his floor is. That's what the Lions think his floor is. But you have to make sure that it's, it's, you know, extra sweet to not just give up their guy, but it has to beat some of the other offers. And some of the other offers were, as we know, you know, the eighth overall pick plus a future first rounder, right? So you have to, plus a quarterback. So you have to, you have to sort of make sure that you are not getting outbid by others, especially when your head coach is, is really pushing for this guy in particular and Matthew Stafford, um, you know, it sounds to me like the Lions did right by Matthew Stafford as well, because Matthew Stafford really wanted to come play uh, for Sean McVay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that that can't be an understated uh, point, Jordan. And, and we've talked about that that on the podcast just because of, you know, the situations that this franchise has dealt with with Barry Sanders, with Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seems like if, if they did Matthew Stafford wrong, that that would have been a, a huge disservice. And and uh, it would have taken a lot of time to, to repair something like that publicly. But um, the, the one quick uh, follow up that I have to that is is. Was Matthew Stafford like their guy? Do you know of any other like exploratory like Carson Wentz or any other quarterbacks that the Rams really showed interest in? Yeah, they they poked around on pretty much every possibility that they that they liked guys in that similar mold, guys who were really, um, you know, could that they felt could really run Sean McVay's system extremely well. Guys who are um, creative, who can can operate out of structure a little bit. You know, they they the exploratory calls, you know, include places like Green Bay, probably a quick hang up in that <laughs> in that regard. Right. But you got to call though, right? You got to yeah, call. You have to call. That's the thing. And it's like, you know, my understanding is it was it was like, let's just, you know, let's make extra sure that they're not trading him. Right. So yeah, yeah, there's a call, you know, it's, they're not wanting to trade Aaron Rodgers, of course, but, um, but you know, you have to check, you have to have these exploratory phone calls with, with a lot of different places. And they were even willing to wait as the, as the market cycled through a little bit to see what guys popped up, what names popped up as, as possibilities um, later, you know, closer to end of February, early March. But once they, realized that they could get Matthew Stafford. Like this was a doable guy, like person for them to bring in via this pick, this pick load and this trade load. Like that was something that really, really piqued their interest. Like I wouldn't say that back in November, Sean McVay had his sights set on a Matthew Stafford, you know, trade request. Like I, I wouldn't say that at all, but once it became clear that this guy is attainable. Like you can achieve this. Um, and, and, you know, they had the conversations with, you know, Kevin Demoff and Les Snead and Tony Pastors about the financial ramifications. Then it, he very much became a point of focus and they had already had a previ- previous relationship built. So um, it was very easy to get everyone on board. Like within 15 minutes, this trade was done basically. So um, pretty, pretty impressive stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about the perception of Matthew Stafford, because I think Lions fans are kind of getting a riot out of the last two weeks because they've been pounding the table that this guy's been a top 10 quarterback for years. He's going to, you know, explode on the market if he ever hits it. And national media has kind of ignored it a little bit. You know, there's been some people that like him a lot and there has been some that, that don't. Um, but then, you know, the narrative, once he's on the market, it seems like the narrative completely changed. Everyone's like, let's go get this guy. He's going to get us a Super Bowl. Um, is that the feeling there in Los Angeles right now or um, you know, because I've seen some analytics guys. Ben Baldwin's a guy out there who thinks, you know, Stafford's good, but he's not that much of a of a upgrade over Jared Goff. So I'm just curious as to your overall feel for where, where Matthew Stafford lies and, and maybe your personal thoughts as well. Yeah, great question. And I know it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's kind of like Jared. The opinions run the range of, <laughs> of yeah. what, what's possible. Um, I think that what really interests me about Matthew Stafford is is what I had mentioned um, briefly earlier is how he works out of structure. And the Los Angeles Rams, because they are resource limited and they don't have first round picks, um, they are not going to 
be able to heavily, heavily invest in their offensive line past the prime or past the sort of playing time and playing age of guys like Andrew Whitworth, Rob Havenstein. Um, they've got, you know, a couple of lesser known interior offensive linemen that, and they need to shore up that area, but they're not going to be able to pay to bring in premier talent there. Um, it's going to be maybe like about at the mean, right? So your offensive line play outside of Andrew Whitworth is probably going to revert to the mean, which most offensive line play in the league does. Um, So understanding that and knowing where they're at in terms of that operationally running their offense, um, working out of structure becomes so important when the initial play breaks down, when your pressure breaks or when your, your protection breaks down and the pressure starts getting to you, how can you, um, negotiate through that chaos is, is what they say. And, and they're big, they're big on that. And this, that's just not something that Jared has really ever been comfortable with. And he's great at doing a lot of other things and he's got the arm and, um, he, he can do a lot of, um, things when the system is, is really working around him. But when things like, you, you know, teams are bringing four, only four and you have to negotiate the ball downfield somehow because you know you, the pressure's you know pushing the middle of your pocket in or you have to reset your launch points and um sort of freestyle with your receivers downfield or um even what we saw when with with glimpses of when John Walford was starting for the Rams a quarterback who a stout run game is not his success is not predicated upon having the run game just be successful and not necessarily because he can run more so he can continue to reset his pocket and his launch points. That's what I see when I continue to watch Matthew Stafford operate specifically in those chaos points. And, and especially when he's kind of getting the ball back to the intermediate and downfield areas, Sean McVay really wants to, reintroduce explosive passing plays into his offense. They weren't able to do this this year. The turnovers um, that that Jared was having over the last two years, um, really big turnover issues there. And then also, um, you know, moving the offense towards a, a more high probability play system where your your air yards per pass are are down for, you know, the, the to the lowest of his career. And you're going toward the more short, routes, the catch and run plays, and depending on that, plus your run game to provide your explosives. Well, that's, as Sean McVay says, that's not the, wor- the world that he wants to live in. He wants to be able to move the ball through the air downfield. He wants to be able to, to mix in a lot of different things um, that can help develop his plays, um, you know, three seconds, uh, three and a half seconds, just that little bit of extra time. And again, that, that last second and a half usually comes out of structure. So that's that's something he really, really sees in in Matthew Stafford. I, I see that as well. I don't necessarily know yet. I, I'm always one who's hesitant. Like I've got to see how he works with this group um, in person myself. So I'm always one that sort of hesitates to like grade the trade or, or anything like that. But I do think that by by bringing in Matthew Stafford, who I do think is, is an improvement in this offense, um, Sean McVay is kind of counting on Matthew Stafford, the addition of Matthew Stafford to not only mask the inevitable regression that you see year over year when a team has a number one defense, um, which they had last year, and that will inevitably regress. It's just how it works. The league tries to pull us all down into parity and it's, you know, depressing, but whatever. And <laughs> um, and so he he's hoping that Matthew Stafford will not only make up for any potential regression, but also give them a little extra. They need to help them win the games that they should have won this year, essentially. 
Well, you know, Matthew Stafford's going to be that guy. And I, I think, I think Jordan, the real, the real reason why, you know, the Rams probably pushed in for this Godfather offer uh, to, to make, you know, Stafford their quarterback is they probably realize that like their window is is now right is is mm-hmm. there is with with this trade I, we, we talked with Vinny Bonsignor about this um but you know he he made a really interesting point that you know the Rams didn't view all of those first round picks that they traded for the likes of Brandon Cooks and traded for Jalen Ramsey they didn't view those as like all-in trades because they had so much faith in you know drafting rounds two through five and hitting on those mid-round picks guys like John Johnson and, and things like that so this really feels like the culmination of this really interesting hypothesis that's happening right now with the Rams and the NFL, like they're trading first round picks to get NFL stars. And like, this seems to be like, if we're talking, I I hate superhero movies, but if we're talking like Thanos, (laughs) like this is the final stone in the infinity gauntlet, right? Like Matthew Stafford (laughs) is that is the Rams window now, Jordan. Well, I think it, it extends maybe over the next three years, right? Because my understanding is they're going to try to at least tack on another year to that contract to make it a little bit more front front friendly and, and backloaded a little bit. So it's it's through Aaron Donald's prime years, right? It's through as Jalen Ramsey enters his prime years, right? It's through Robert Woods' prime years. It's through, um, I guess you could say because of his age, Cooper Cup's prime years. And these are all their core contract guys. And and what you, you know, Vinny is awesome, by the way. And what he yeah. said is absolutely right. And it's something that I've really enjoyed covering in, in great depth over here at The Athletic is this draft strategy is counting on other teams overvaluing first round picks and the Rams have them, um, at, at, especially outside of the top 10, top 12, have assigned a lesser value to them because their value on proven players is higher than that pick point. So, and and they have a, it's, it's really interesting because this is a franchise and an organization that when they see a small thread that works, they just yank on it, right? They don't pick at it. They just yank it on it. And this is one of those where the, the Jalen Ramsey situation, it worked. They trade, you know, two first round picks and they bring in Jalen Ramsey, who arguably was the best cornerback in the in the league. I know the pick numbers are people are going to argue with me over that. But I mean, he played two positions and you had to scheme your your talent away from him on every play. And and so that just does so much for a team. It's invaluable um, operationally. So to them, that was so much more worth and and having Jalen Ramsey entering his prime years and and going to be with them through I think it's 2024 2025 um you know y- you have that much you know a much greater asset they believe to your roster immediately than you do you know a an unproven sort of 50-50 hit rate on those picks especially outside of the top even top 15 because the Rams believe that they are going to consistently if they had the first round picks they would be picking outside of the top 12 top 15 now the lions obviously hope that those picks are higher <laughs> right. but but you know the rams are betting that they're going to be good enough with this core roster that they would not have a higher first round pick that would be a higher value to them than a proven player and they absolutely have been hitting on those um, rounds two through six players over the last two, three years. And they um, complemented their entire core roster with those guys in starting caliber positions, right down to undrafted free agent Darius Williams, who had a heck of a season. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like, you have a small thread there, right? You have a small sample size of what works. And they're like, all right, 
we're just going for it. We're gunning it, guys. <laughs> yeah. And well, you know, and the Lions bring Brad Holmes over. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Lions get these extra first round picks. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not the Lions sort of adapt that, you know, that ideology of, you know, capitalizing on this market inefficiency with first round picks. Now they have the Rams first round picks. Does Brad Holmes actually even pick anybody with those picks or does he move them in, mm-hmm. a, in a potential trade to, to you know, get a proven player and, and, and capitalize on that? That's a, that's a really interesting point, Jordan. Here's my here's my I'll give you guys. I do one hot take a year. This will be okay. mine. One hot oh, take. Yes. Here's my Bring hot take. It. I think that it'll it'll take Brad Holmes like maybe, one, you know, two two off seasons to build a really, really good foundation for this football team, whether or not that includes Jared Goff, I think depends on this upcoming season. Um, I think it'll take him two seasons to build a really, really good foundation um, for the lions. And then I think he's going to start trading these freaking picks. Like I think, <laughs> and then I think he's going to start having some fun, right? Like I think you, yeah. you get your core locked in and then I think he's going to be like, I think, yeah, I think he's going to have some fun with this. I like it. I like it. I love moving around in the draft. I, I love I mean, the Rams like to trade down too. Like part of the reason they didn't have all those first round picks is I think at least on one of those occasions, they just traded out of the first round. They traded down. And so that's, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to because I didn't see a ton of that under Bob Quinn. One quick question before we go to break though. Um, As you mentioned, the Lions are going to be keeping a close eye on the Rams over the next two years because they got those two first round picks Um, with, you know, you said the defense, it's probably likely to regress just out of, you know, statistical probability. They also lose Brandon Staley. They lose Brad Holmes. Is there any chance that you can give Lions fans a little optimism that everything falls apart sometime in the next two years with the Rams? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. It's kind of like they, they've gone all in, not just on this model, but on Sean McVay as a head coach, right? I think their real belief there and and there's such a connectedness between, and and you need that because it's crazy. It's all four of the same guys who went for that initial contract with Jared that are now pitching to the, the owner. Okay. Let's fix our mistake essentially. Right. So there it's all the same guys and they've all gone in on Sean McVay as their model for success. Right. So it's really on him. I think this will tell you a lot about Sean over the next couple of years of, of whether he can build a a sustainable model in this way. And, um, and I think it's going to be fascinating. I, I don't think that they're going to be uh, regressing to that point. Um, sure. I think that, I think that now you can, I mean, even with this year on a precedented season, um, and the, you know, one of the more inconsistent offenses in the league, 18th in scoring, terrible in the red zone, terrible with turnovers, and they still, you know, have 10 wins. I think that, I think that they're going to be pretty good for a little while. <laughs> Sorry, <enough>. Lions fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. I, you know what? I'll take two 25 overall picks or whatever it'll be so uh and you mentioned sean mcveigh there we're gonna get a lot into sean mcveigh a lot into jared goff when we come back from the break with our special first bite episode with jordan rodrigue stick with us on first bite threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back on First Bite with special guest Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic Los Angeles talking about the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade. We're just going to call it the Jared Goff trade from now on. Just kind of take the narrative <laughs> away from the narrative thing. But um, let, let's let's just talk about Jared Goff right now. Um, and before we get into his play, before we get into maybe how he'll, he'll fit in Detroit, let's talk about Jared Goff the person because we have spent the past dozen years getting to know Matthew Stafford as well as we could because he's kind of a private person. Um, Jordan, who are the Lions getting as a person in Jared Goff? Because I've heard some some stories, some good ones, but uh, you've obviously worked with him kind of hand in hand. So what are we getting? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's fairly private as well. Like when you see him on social media, it's going to be really team team focused and mm-hmm. um, sort of organizational focused and initiative focused. So um, in, in that regard, you won't learn a lot about him. But one thing that he really started enjoying and, and really, um, I think, grew up in a lot of ways in doing this past off season, spring and summer was working with kids in the Inglewood Unified School District area. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, a school district that has faced so many challenges because of of COVID. And then also, um, you know, some of the systemic things that that go on with school systems in general all across the country. Mm-hmm. And so his his venture here was to make sure that a lot of the, every kid in this school district was getting an opportunity to learn, getting an opportunity to have the resources and tools that maybe would not have been afforded to them, um, making sure that they could have the the resources and tools, especially for online and distance learning. And um, he would read to them every Tuesday and he would read children's books to them. And that was not a side of Jared that I had actually ever seen, but mm-hmm. they, you know, we would get these clips um, from the school district and there would be Jared and he'd be reading a, a a different book to these kids on zoom, um, every Tuesday. And to me, that was really cool because that was where, um, I saw him grow as a person was in doing those types of things and particularly helping young people and helping, helping kids. And he became, um, someone who, especially in the, in the spring and in the summer, um, became very vocal and, um, supportive of, his his teammates um efforts to um combat systemic oppression systemic racism police brutality and was really on that leadership council um in support and lending his platform and his voice to his teammates who were um you know raising money and organizing for various causes getting people registered to vote he was a part of that as well and so he really sort of threw himself into those types of things now he had done charitable initiatives in the past but this was really his big his big push and he started directing proceeds from his his merchandise um all, all toward the Inglewood Unified School District. He like delivered Christmas trees to families. Um, he really threw himself into it. And I think it was, it was neat to see because obviously since about, you know, 2019 and then escalating in November, things were um, tough in that building at times. And, and so I think it was one of the projects that he wanted to throw himself into because um, it, it made him feel a sense of purpose and it very much, um, was something he could throw himself into outside of football that, that really mattered to him and, and maybe took a little bit of that, uh, maybe stress off of him in, in other ways. Love to hear that. That's great yeah, stuff. That's awesome. That's really, that's really great to hear, especially when there are, there, there's going to be opportunities to, to do that same work. Here. 
beer in in Detroit, and that, mm-hmm. that's gonna that's gonna. I think that's really going to speak volumes to a fan base that I think appreciates those kind of things. So, um, with that being said, Jared Goff, the quarterback, what can he do well, Jordan? What is he going to do well this season right out of the box? Yeah, I mean, he's still got an arm. I mean, you look at his charts, um, it doesn't, they don't show what capabilities his arm has, right? Like, y- you look at his charts, they, because he was turning the ball. I'm starting with a negative, but I promise it'll turn into a positive <laughs> because he was turning the because he was turning the ball over so much. Um, they had to they they moved and and because you know there's certain things with pass protection, there was some instability in the run game. Um, they moved toward a what I call a high, higher probability attack, aerial attack. And I know you guys, I'm ta- I'm preaching the choir here, but it, it's basically um, increasing your short range targets um and your mid-range targets and decreasing your long developing passing plays and long developing air yards um because a you uh are not throwing it downfield when out of structure or not able to considering pressure and and whatnot um and you're uh already you're taking a low probability like a 50 50 uh, opportunity and um you know you've been turning it over so now it becomes even less of a an opportunity for you right so now you're you're basically increasing the probability of the play by moving it closer to the line of scrimmage through the air so that does two things it should make the offense run faster it should increase your efficiency as a quarterback it definitely increased his completion percentage um it should decrease turnovers um he had some issues with that this year but um what basically what this is all going to say is like his chart is not indicative of the arm talent that he is capable of like he is capable of getting the ball downfield he is capable of explosive passing plays i mean you know you watch him throw it you know 60 yards in the air in practice right like he's capable of of doing those things i think that um a lot of things compounded for him um in in negative ways that and particularly the turnovers that a fresh start will will be very very good for him in that regard feeling like you can leave those ghosts behind essentially and start over uh you know I joke about the the bankroll contract it's like a fresh bankroll for the lions to work with well Jared's also getting a fresh bankroll in, in a way right like he can start he can start over and they can build um, a system with which he in which he thrives, particularly, I think Anthony Lynn is going to be fantastic for him yeah. because a Jared Goff thrives when an offensive attack is predicated on a heavy, consistent rushing attack because he can get into some of that boot action. He can get in the play action. He can do the types of things that settle him in as a quarterback. And um, I think that that when those things click, um, he is a very, very efficient quarterback. Well, yeah, now that we're, we're bringing coaches into it, let's, let's talk a little bit about with, you know, everything that happened between Goff and McVay. And, you know, I think I don't want to over-exaggerate. It just seems like they were kind of done with each other at the end. It doesn't, you know, based on what Jared Goff has said, and even Sean McVay said, there was never anything personal about it, but I, I, there, there seems to be two trains of thought here about what happened with Goff in Los Angeles. One was that, Sean McVay did everything he could. And if Sean McVay can't make Jared Goff a good quarterback, nobody can. And then there's this other train of thought that says Sean McVay has his system. He was very stubborn. He didn't let Jared Goff 
develop. He basically just said, hey, this is what I'm doing. You do it. I'm going to call the plays up until they turn my radio off before the, you know, the the game, the play clock runs down. And therefore, Jared Goff never got to kind of do things on his own, call his own plays, you know, develop as a young quarterback. Now, obviously, it's it's not an either or situation here. But where where do you think the, the kind of scenario lied with Jared Goff's time in, in Los Angeles? Yeah, I just think it's it's such a gray period, right? Like it's yeah. so it's so nuanced because there are elements of truth in in a lot of different things that like you you kind of see um from from either party. And yeah. for me, um understanding what was going on and gathering from, you know, inside the building for since, you know, November or so when things started to um kind of be more there was more public dissatisfaction expressed at that point. Um, it, to me, if I look at it from a sort of philosophical standpoint, it's two human beings who evolved at different rates within a high pressure, high profile situation. That's just biology. Like, you know, Sean McVay is, operates at 6 million miles an hour in every single thing that he does. And the same goes for when he felt this this worry and and saw that certain defenses were starting to um sort of not solve but be better prepared for the types of things that his offense could do as what happens in the league sure. and at 6 million miles per hour feels he has to adjust and and push and push and push and push well when they initially signed Jared Goff it was this is a guy who can run our system this is our system Right. And they part of the deal is that they never ask Jared to play outside of himself. Right. They never ask him to do more than handle the game, um, take care of the football. That's the huge one, taking care of the football and and, you know, get get a couple explosives in when when you see when you get the look that you want. But but run the system. Right. Run run the scheme. And it started becoming more of one person is is here in this, in that point of time. Right. And, and that's Jared. And he's there in that point of time do, with what he, his expectation of what his role would be. And one of the other person in Sean McVay is moving forward at 6 million miles an hour, needing to get better, needing to evolve, needing to push, 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 push. And they did not evolve at the same rate. And, and I, I don't think that there's a ton of blame that can be, should be passed around because that's a situation that you see happen, um, in football and the sense near the end, the one thing that really did get under Sean's skin and really needled at him was the turnovers. Cause it wasn't the fact that they happened. It was the way that they happened. It was like the decision-making process of that. And so it's like, you, you get to that point where you're really frustrated about that one specific element and it sort of leaks into every other part of why you feel like you're, you're moving and the other person is, is standing still. Now, it, it's not like a knock on anybody. It's what he was asked to do when they gave him the big contract, right? And, yeah. and so when one person changes direction and the other person is still going straight, like what what do you do at that point if they're not changing direction with you? And so Sean, I, I know the frustration was, was about the turnovers specifically, but I don't think it was ever about like his character or anything like that. Or, you know, there was just this feeling that we're going to have to move in this direction. And I don't feel that you can come along with me for that because you've kept going straight while I've tried to move. And it doesn't mean that going in this, the straight direction is incorrect. It's incorrect for me. 
Right. right? If that makes sense. And yeah. so I, I just think it was like basic biology. I mean, it was really like, and not to, <laughs> not to be glib, like, but it was wa- like basically watching, um, you know, one of those, one of those movies where two people, um, are probably going to get divorced <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you, and you, and you know, it's coming and you could see all of the little, the little clues and all of that. Um, but, but yeah, and I think it, it doesn't mean that one thing will be more successful than the other. Um, it just means that two people took two different directions and, and one person has roster say, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the 2020 Rams, the breakup featuring Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. Um, <laughs> it's like, I was thinking more blue Valentine, but oh, okay. yeah. really yeah, I guess, it's a really whatever. depressing movie. <laughs> yeah. I guess your, your, your taste may vary. Um, so the, uh, the, the last question that I have for you, Jordan, is, um, you know, we talked about, you know, off the field, the kind of person that Jared Goff is. What kind of leader is he in the locker room? Because I think this is something that a lot of people, um, TJ Lang included, has kind of talked about Matthew Stafford and him in that capacity because he was more of a leader by example. And that was who he was as a quarterback on the mm-hmm. field in terms of leadership. What kind of guy is Jared Goff when he's in the locker room when he's on the field with the guys. Yeah. He's very even. Right. And some people respond really well to that. And other people think, you know, fire it up a little bit, man. Right. But it depends on the situation, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you're losing, you would really like your guy to stay even. You don't want to see emotional outbursts. Like you don't want to see dumb penalties. You don't want to see, but, but, um, in other situations, it might, be helpful to have, you know, to be a little bit more fired up. But I think what, what people will really like and appreciate about Jared in that locker room is, um, he is resilient, he is durable and he has taken a beating before and he's just kept going and really no expression changes on his face. And like, he just, he just kind of, um, he's just very, very even keel all the time. Now, again, you can imagine Sean McVay is like, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, including the hair, (laughs) like hair included, like running around all over the place, running up and down the side. So like you can kind of see where the juxtaposition happens. Right. Right. So in other ways, you'll want other people on your roster. I think, again, Anthony Lynn, I cannot emphasize how great an addition Anthony Lynn is to that staff because and, and Aubrey Pleasant, because Anthony Lynn is a guy who is is going to provide that extra oomph to the players, right? Because because sometimes the quarter like Jared's just gonna be very even keel. And again, that's where you want when the when when there's a storm and I know Detroit has has um has suffered and experienced some some really depressing seasons. And this is like he's just gonna be just a, a fixed point on the horizon. And I think that's someone who players can appreciate. And I think that's somebody who that's somebody who coaches can appreciate because he does not get rattled. He just doesn't like he, he just, you could try as much as like, you could really try. This guy's going against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the on the, uh, in training camp. And he just doesn't, he just doesn't rattle. I would rattle in that situation, (laughs) but, but he just stays really, really even keel. And again, depending on the system and the situation you're in, that could be a negative and it kind of maybe became one. But if, if you flip it around and you're building something, you need someone who's even keel. You need someone who's going to stay the course and, and, and do what he does. And also he's not, he's not someone who's ever going to try to um, talk over people, talk over other leaders. Like he's someone who's like, 
hey, we're all in this together, guys. Like, I want to hear your your voices and, and value who you are as much as, you know, I'm the quarterback, but your voice, your voice matters too. And he's, he's yeah. very even in that way. Kind of like a complimentary leader. Yeah. He's, he's like, you could offer something that I maybe can't. So you should, you should speak and all, and all of that. Madden awareness rating 99. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kind of sounds know, he like says he, he says he didn't see this coming. So I don't know about that. Yeah, well, I don't go. know about That's that one, but <laughs> we'll, knock, we'll, we'll knock it down in the next update, but we need something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting that you do say that because I mean, that's, that's the exact you know, goal of the lines front office and coaching staff is that collaboration, no egos in the room kind of thing. And to have that in sort of leadership in the locker room um, would be kind of an interesting way to not the Matthew. I think that also kind of describes to a team, Matthew Stafford, if we're being completely honest, yeah. I think he's kind of like the, not the guy that's necessarily going to be screaming in the huddle, although we've seen some of that sometimes, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think, I think maybe in terms of personality, we won't really see that much of a change between Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. Um, so just kind of a, an interesting thing to keep an eye on, but I think we got to wrap this up. Uh, Jordan, before we let you go, um, let me have, uh, let me give you the the floor for a minute to talk about where people can find you. Um, I know you did a, a quick Q and a with, with our friend, Chris Burke. Um, so let us know what other sort of content there's out there that Lions fans might be interested in. Yeah, I think um, Lions fans would really be interested in in a, a really deep dive about sort of the the escalation of this situation behind closed doors and how it culminated in, in this trade on Saturday night, which already feels like years ago. Um, <laughs> it is pinned at the top of my Twitter profile at Jordan Rodriguez, J-O-U-R-D-A-N-R-O-D-R-I-G. UE. And so you guys can find it there. And um, you can find me at the Athletic Los Angeles at the at the Athletic NFL. Um, I host a podcast called 11 Personnel. Shocking name, I know. And um, and I, I just really, um, you know, I, I love what I do. I love collaborating with uh, Chris Burke and Nick Baumgartner over at the Athletic Detroit. Great guys. Follow them as well. Um, I'm sure you already do, um, but I, I really appreciate you guys giving me the time and um, fascinating conversation, fascinating situation um, as it plays out. Yeah. Interesting times. Interesting times, Jordan. Uh, great stuff. Really appreciate your time here. Really appreciate you all for listening and we will be back at it soon. So stick around. It's chaos, everybody. Be kind. <laughs>